Boy, praise the Lord. Rebecca, I'm glad I didn't see those songs. I would have started crying then. We would have been in trouble. So, praise the Lord. Good morning, everybody. Great to see you. Hallelujah. What a great place to be on a Sunday morning with the family of God. Hallelujah. Um, I wanted to say thanks very much to Pastor Leon for the elder board. Give me an opportunity to talk to you guys, preach God's word. And I think I say this every time, man, I do so with fear and trembling for both me and you because I had the responsibility to prepare and deliver God's word, but you have the responsibility to grab a hold of this thing and run with it. Because if you don't, then I've wasted my time, and I don't want to waste my time. So uh, hear God's word. Before I start, I don't know how many of you guys know the Eggers, but Nate Egger wrote a great book uh, called Default Christianity. I've got six copies that I'd love to give away before we get out of here today that basically... Uh, discusses what we're going to discuss today. Um, and so I just really encourage you, again, I got six copies. I'd love to give them to you. So uh, see me afterwards if you would. Um, did I say that my name's Matthew Rojek and with my lovely wife, been here about ten and a half years? Uh, if I didn't, it, let's do that now. Let me read the scriptures and then we're going to pray. Matthew 6, 19 through 34. And forgive me, I think I've got uh, the... Holman Bible, uh, the ESV should be up on the screen. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No man can serve two masters, for he either hate the one, love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on it, is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you being anxious can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, they neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. And actually, I think that was the ESV, but I, I'm going to talk in the Holman version as we get going. So let's pray. Wow. Hallelujah, Father. What a time of worship. Thank you for, man, the fatherliness that you exhibit in taking care of the sparrows 
and clothing, the lilies and the wildfowls of the field. How much more, how much more do you care for us as your image bearers? Lord, I pray that the word go forth well. Holy Spirit, come, rattle our hearts, shake us up, change us to the image of your Son. In Jesus' name, amen. So the title is called Choose Wisely. And what I'd like to do is just give you a brief overview, and i got to start my timer. Because uh, I don't want to include the Scripture reading, because that always takes my time. <laughs> All right. I uh, want to give you a brief overview of the whole thing, and then we're going to go backwards, and we're going to talk about the first three sections. This is going to be the mo- major chunk of what I'm going to talk about. So a couple of things happened as I was reading through this. One is I noticed, first of all, Christ himself is speaking, so we know we got to listen, like, well. In each section, there's, three sec- or there's four sections. The first three sections are where we're going to be spending our time, but including the fourth section, there are consistent conflict and contrast that Christ brings up. Good and evil, good and bad, light and dark, do this, don't do that. You can't do this if you want to do that. There's constant comparisons. And if you look at the first three sections that we're going to talk about, he uses word for word the same phrases, one for good, one for bad. He doesn't say, hey, don't put your uh, treasures on earth, but put them in heaven where moth and rust don't corrupt or steal or destroy, and where thieves break in. But he repeats the whole thing. Don't. Do. Same with the good eye and bad eye. He uses the same sentences. And we know that Jesus doesn't exaggerate. So if he's emphasizing this, we know there's a reason. You know, when in the Old Testament and that, when it says, you know, that the angels say, glory, glory, glory. They repeat it three times. That's because of the immenseness of what they are worshiping. And this is an important message for you and I because the Scripture says you can't serve God and money. You can't. Don't think you're smart enough. I don't care if you're a CPA, you got a master's or a PhD, you can't do it. So Jesus is warning us, and he's encouraging us here. The other thing is, and if you've ever talked to me for more than 20 minutes, you probably know this about me, I break up um, conversations and things that I see as engineering mindset and artist mindset. And Jesus does both. If you look at the three, first three sections, they're very engineer theology, equational theology, Two and two is four. Do this, don't do that. Very blunt, very black and white. And then in the last section that we're going to talk about, that the song was about, is the, is the God of creation, the artist God who cares for the sparrows, who clothes the lilacs and the rhododendrons and the wildflowers in such beautiful array. And there's the artist there. 
Remember, we're talking about choosing wisely. Jesus gives us the opportunity, and he gives us the encouragement to do so. The first section is a contrast between the temporary and the eternal. Instant gratification versus eternal gratification. Building your kingdom versus God's kingdom. And one other thing is, so the the first section of Scripture, Jesus says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust corrupt, destroy, devour, or where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not corrupt or steal or destroy or devour, and where thieves do not break in and steal. Because where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Again, very black and white. I wouldn't say cold, but it's very calculating what he's saying. Again, it reminds me of a CPA or an engineer. It's just right to the point. And the other thing that, man, I hope this hits you like it hit me. When I was preparing, I looked up the word treasure in the dictionary. And do you guys know that tr- the word treasure can be a noun and it can be a verb? And I think the Lord showed me this because Jesus is going to use both of those for this first section. And I'm going to give you a great example to hopefully spell it out for you. Got a great buddy, Marco Lolio. Marco knows two things. He knows dirt. He's an excavator. He knows how to shovel out and build you a beautiful pond. He knows how to grate the thing to build you a berm or a retaining wall or to set it up so you can build a house on a firm foundation. And Marco also knows diamonds in the rough when it comes to vehicles. So one day, this is probably 20 years ago, uh, man, maybe more than that, 25 years ago, woo, um, Marco's at a junkyard and he sees a truck. And he determines that that would be a good truck for his business. He sees past the pile of kind of rubble that this thing is. So he buys it. Now, when I say it's a truck, it's got a cab, no doors, no engine, no front end, and then just the rails that are behind it, underneath the rear wheels, that that you would put a box or a pickup. But he sees what this thing can become. So for the next six months, he labors over this. He coddles it. He loves this little truck. And he builds it into a beautiful truck for his work. So much so that he and his wife referred to it as his baby. And it became his treasure. So in 1998, Marco and I are in El Salvador. We're on a construction missions trip. Marco's doing what he always does. He's looking around and he's seeing how they're moving dirt because we did concrete and we were building buildings. And he's looking and he says, the missionary, why in the world are you guys shoveling in the wheelbarrow and carrying it? He says, I'll get you a truck. Missionary says, sweet. So we come back. Marco starts looking for a truck, finds a truck, calls the missionary. Hey, bud, I got your truck. Here's the specs, blah, 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 blah. Missionary says, man, that sounds great, except doesn't have air brakes. Marco's bummed. Goes home that night. Can't sleep. 
gets up the next morning, sitting at the breakfast table, and his wife comes down, Sharon says, Bud, what's the matter? You look miserable. He says, man, I couldn't sleep. What, you know, what happened? God told me I'd got to give my treasure to the missionary. Sharon says, what are you going to do? Marco says, well, what do you think I'm going to do? I'm going to give the truck to the missionary. What happened at that moment? Anybody tell me? The noun, truck, treasure, Marco's kingdom, became a verb. Treasure in Marco's account in heaven. How did that happen? How did it become a, from a noun to a verb? Did it all of a sudden have a legion of angels so that it wouldn't get flats? Or it wouldn't rust? Or thieves wouldn't break in and steal it? No. It became a verb of obedience. It became a verb through Marco's obedience. And his earthly treasure became a kingdom treasure in God's hand to do with as he pleased. In submission, in Father, you've given this to me anyways, it's yours. In that act of obedience, that thing transferred ownership from Marco to the Father's hand. Now, how did that come about? How did Marco go from whatever to giving away, and I called him and asked him to make sure I had this right, to giving away a $20,000 truck that also included six months of his life investing, building, I mean literally building this thing. And I'm going to give you three reasons why. Now this first one comes with a bit of a caveat. A couple weeks ago I was talking to a pastor, telling him what I was going to talk to you guys about. And I brought this point up, and he said, you know, you got to be careful. And I'm just going to tell you guys, you want to come here on a Saturday and hear me talk about money, I would love to talk about this whole thing in, in a little bit more depth. But for sake of conversation, right now I want to tell you, what Marco did, whenever he could, he paid cash. He refused to go into debt. Even if it meant his business prospering, he wanted to pay cash. Second thing he did, he practiced. He gave away five bucks, or five hundred, or a thousand. He took off little bites of obedience. He didn't go from zero to twenty thousand in one step, because what does the scripture say? If you're faithful in small, you're going to be faithful in much. If God can trust you in small things, believe me, He's going to trust you with big things. And then the third thing that he did, and we're going to go into the next section of Scripture, and I want to give you some background, and I'll circle back. The next set of verses, Jesus says, the eye is the lamp of the body. If the eye is good, the whole body will be filled with light. If the eye is bad, the whole body will be filled with darkness. And if the light that is within you is darkness, how deep is that darkness? If right now somebody walked in that back door and said, Hey, Matthew, your daughter's in the emergency room, you got to run. 
And I said to Edith, Edith, come on up here. You've got to preach my sermon. You've got to wear my glasses. Edith would come up and she'd be like, what do you mean? You've got to use my glasses. Read with my glasses. I run out. So Edith, wanting to honor me, says, okay. She puts on my glasses. She starts reading my notes. What's going to happen? Darkness. Because that which I prepared for light, she's reading through distorted lenses. She's not going to get the theme of it. She's not going to be able to read my miserable writing. If she can read my miserable writing, she's going to misunderstand some words because she can't read it. She's going to fill in and ad lib. And the light that I had hoped that you guys would receive would have some tint of darkness. Now when, if, you've become born again, if you've become a follower of Christ, two incredible things happened at that moment. God gave you a heart transplant that previously your eye was bad. Your eye filled you with darkness because you saw the lust of the flesh. You saw the things of the world and you drew those in to your mind, to your body, to your soul. But God, when He gave you a new heart, He gave you a good eye. And then what's the second thing He did simultaneously? Gave you the Holy Spirit. Why did He give you the Holy Spirit? So that your eye could remain good. You, got, you started with a fresh set of lenses. And He gave you the cleaner so you could continue to clean and so you could see purely. And that is the Word of God. Holy Spirit gives us wisdom, understanding. He builds concepts in our lives, builds ideas. He builds power. He builds strength so that the things that you and I are ingesting in our soul, the things that you and I partake with the lamp of our eye, remains good. When Marco looked, he was looking for the kingdom of God, where is it? How's it happening? How can I be participant in it? That's how Marco went from zero to giving away a $20,000 truck. He set before his eyes, and I would include he set before his ears, listening to the gospel. His heart, listening to the Holy Spirit, receiving wisdom, understanding, instruction, discernment, all the things that the Holy Spirit does to you and I so that our light our eye remains good, and that the light within us is, in fact, God's light. Now, the last part of this verse where Jesus says, And if the light that is in you is dark, how deep is that darkness? And I want to give you a scriptural reference, and I want to give you an idea. First uh, uh, John, second chapter, uh, John's talking, and he's saying, talking about us being partakers of light and our being partakers of the Father and us being partakers of love. And John says this, he says, uh, if you're a believer and you say you love God, but you hate your brother, you're not in the light, dude. So if you and I take God's word and pervert it for our own ends, like Joel Olstein and those knuckleheads, and those guys who take God's word and breed blasphemy from it, that light, I'm sorry, I'm yelling, that light 
will become darkness. How great is that darkness? And now I'm going to give you a personal example. About 30 years ago, I met one of my customers and we're talking about abortion. And I said, so let me understand this. You're unwilling to call what's in the woman's womb a human or a child, right? And I said, so you're telling me, and we're walking down this line, I said, so you're telling me that you think it might be a giraffe, and I use that word, and that when it crowns out of the woman, you're telling me that magically it becomes a human from a giraffe. And he said, yes. How deep is his darkness? How deep is his darkness? Now the third section of uh, Scripture we're going to look at, Jesus says, no man can serve two masters, for he, he will either love the one and despise the other, or he will be loyal to one and reject the other. Love versus hate, loyal versus despise. And then he says, you cannot serve God and money. Now I want to reiterate something here. If Jesus says you can't, you can't. Let's not even try. Let's not even go down that road. And I would also say, and I'm, I'm going to do a Paul here, Scripture says you can't serve God and money. Absolutely, that's what we're talking about. But I'm going to ask you to broaden your minds a bit for that money to include prestige, notoriety, you know, man, my, what's it called, reputation? Am I looking like upper class? Am I sounding like someone with wealth? Do I put forth a persona or because I got nice threads? So Jesus says you can't serve God and money. And again, I would ask you to expand that to that broader horizon of wealth. Okay? So when he says you can't serve God and money, you're going to hate one, despise the other. Money can be an evil taskmaster if we allow it to be. Money in and of itself is not evil. We all hopefully know that. But, scriptures say, the borrower is slave to the lender. If at inappropriate times you and I borrow money unwisely, remember the title of the sermon, Choose Wisely, we will become that institution's slave. And those are the words Jesus uses. And I don't want to mince words when it comes to that because you are under their control. They've got you by the throat and can make demands of you. And you don't want that. And I would say the same thing with in 1 John... Is it 1 John 2 or Ephesians? Jesus talks about... Uh, forgive me, I don't know if it's Jesus or if it's Paul. I don't remember. Forgive me. But he talks about the lust of the eyes the lust of the flesh, and the pride of one's lifestyle. So again, if we expand this a little bit, if you're going to be a slave to how I appear before you guys, am I looking good? Am I sounding good? 
Do I talk to my wife nice in person, but when I'm home, I'm a jerk? And she's going to say, yes, you are at times. And I think I've confessed that plenty of times before you guys. But I'm serving the God of this world so that I gain your approval. I'm building my own kingdom here. I'm not worried about God's kingdom. And that's role reversal. You don't want that. You don't want to be under the servitude of any other God but God the Father himself. Does that make sense? I feel like I tripped over my tongue a couple of times. Um, So here's where we're going to transition, in my mind, from the engineering mindset of Christ to the artistry of the Creator. And I don't know if this is, this is just my perception, but man, I, I imagine Christ, again, wherever He's talking, being very blunt, very direct, and very almost calculating like a professor at college. He was just spewing through his notes to give you guys information. Now, of course, the information is vital that Jesus has given us, but now I see him like going, hey guys, you ready? We're going to talk about the Father. We're going to talk about his care for you. He cares so much for you. And he says, why? He says, this is why I tell you, why do you worry about your life what you will eat or what you will drink. Isn't your life more than eating and drinking and what you're going to put into your body? And he says, why do you worry about your body, what you're going to wear? Isn't the life, isn't your life worth more than clothing? And he goes on and he says, look at the sparrows. And I was just thinking about this. Betty and I were uh, up north, and we were looking in the trees, and there's woodpeckers up there, there's hummingbirds, there's woodcocks, and we're looking around, and I'm thinking, the care of the Father over His creation. And what does Jesus say? He says, they don't sow and reap. They're not working. And what does He say about the birds? They don't gather into barns. They don't even have a bank account, or storage. And he says, and yet your heavenly Father loves them so much, he feeds them every day. And then he goes on to say, and look at, my version says the wildflowers. Yours probably says the lilies. Look at the wildflowers. This morning when I got up, I was praying for you guys, asking that God would open your ears. I'm sitting in our living room, and I look out our front, and we've got irises growing, we've got rhododendrons, and the lilacs just quit blooming. And you guys know me. I love that stuff because I see the God of creation in his full majesty of artistry. And if he so clothed the lilacs and the irises and the wildflowers that not even Bill Gates or Elon Musk or Solomon was arrayed as these wildflowers. Won't he clothe you? And then Jesus says, O ye of little faith. And that's because we're always worrying, always wondering. And then he goes on to say, even the idolaters seek after these things. And then the next sentence says, Jesus says, but your heavenly Father knows that you have need of all of these things. And then here's the whole thing, in a nutshell. Here's the whole caveat. He says, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, 
And all these things that you're asking for, all these things that you think about, all these things that are necessary and that we do plan for, but there's a world of difference between planning and being under their idolship. We're so worried about it, we forget that God clothed the uh, lilies and God feeds the sparrows. How much more shall your heavenly Father give if you ask? And then he goes on, and I didn't memorize this last part, but I believe it says, like, don't take thought for tomorrow because tomorrow's got enough evil in and of itself. You and I don't even know if we're going to walk out of here and die or get hit by a car or whatever. Let's just pay attention to today. Today's hard enough for you and I to walk through. We heard some of the sorrows and tragedies that people right now are enduring. And we might endure those things. We don't know that. But if we continue to trust the Father for His goodness and for His kindness, we are assured that we're going to be serving Him, not building up our own kingdom, but building up God's kingdom. And then I think I've gone fast enough that I wanted to give you guys just some 2020 ideas about money. The first one is going to be four points to, for you guys to, to listen to and see if, in fact, they pertain to you. And it's going to give you an idea if idol is a money. Now, I would tell you that these first four, well, man, when I started my business, I wouldn't say money was my God, but I was really nervous. And Betty and I, I asked her to help me with this the other day. Was I worried about taking care of my family? Or was I saying, no thanks, God, I got this one on my own? And this is the question you got to answer for yourself. All of us have to pay our bills. All of us need to put food on the table. we got to buy a car, probably got to buy a house, clothes for our kids, all that stuff. That's not what the Father's talking about. He's talking about who is your master and who do you trust? Are you confident in the loving fathership of the Creator that He's going to meet your needs? Are you so bent on providing an image that that's what you're working towards? So the first one is, and I got these from uh, C-A-R-E-M Deo, Karim Deo Church. And I'm going to tell you, I just these are word for word what this pastor said as I was listening to his uh, idea on, these, on, uh, on this sermon. He said, um, is money the first and foremost thought that immediately comes to your mind when there's a change in venue, when there's a challenge, when there's a problem, where there's any kind of situation that rattles your boat? Is money the first thing that you think of? And he gave a great example, and this was specifically from his church. His church was made up of a bunch of young people. Young people came in from college. All of a sudden, the young people started getting married. And then after they got married, they became pregnant. And he said a number of them came to him, and in his conversation with them, the first thing they said out of their mouth was, she's pregnant. We can't afford this. And the pastor said, wrong thinking. Your first supposition should have been, God, you have blessed us with a child. How do we manage this? How do we honor you? How do we raise this child? Not, we can't afford this. Because you're going to be able to say that about anything that comes your way if you're not trusting the Father. Do not allow the mindset of the world 
to be the first thing that comes to your mind when a situation arises. Of course you've got to think about money. Of course you've got to plan. Again, you've got to separate those two. And then the second one is, in general, would you say like your top ten worries are all related to money? Again, I want to make sure you guys understand something. We have to plan for these things. We have to know that we've got enough money in the bank. And, and whatever we've got to do to do that, God understands that. But there's a difference at the core of your heart. Are you seeking after those things? Or are you seeking the kingdom? Because Jesus promises if we seek the kingdom, all that stuff's going to be taken care of. All that stuff is going to be taken care of. And then the third one on the list, and I didn't memorize this one. Oh, is generosity difficult for you? You know, when a need comes before you, do you immediately like grab onto your wallet? Or do you immediately say, no, I got to take care of my own? Practice generosity. I got to tell you, that's what Marco did. Marco practiced generosity. And lastly, and again, in larger measure, this is something we would love to talk to you guys about on a Saturday. Amen. Do you have consumer debt? And what I mean by that is, have you purchased something that you've got no business purchasing? iPhones are not a God-given right. And I know that this is going to sound like, oh, here's some old man talking about the good old days, but Betty and I used to have a phone on the wall, and I would say goodbye to her in the morning, and if I had to talk to her during the day, I would talk to her but we didn't talk throughout the day 90% of the time, and then I would come home, and then we would talk. And so I'm gonna, I want to, at the very end of this thing, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you guys some more ideas, but I just want to tell you, don't pay attention to what the world tells you you need. Pay attention to what God and the Holy Spirit tells you that you need. So let's get back to consumer debt. Are you in debt because you were impatient and unwilling to save the cash up to pay cash for the new TV or whatever it is. I don't care what it is. That's almost irrelevant. All of this boils down to your heart. Are you patient enough to wait for God to provide you the money? Are you patient enough to work in order to buy something that you want to purchase? Because the problem is, again, you are going to be a servant or a slave to the lender. And you guys know what interest rates do to your income. They destroy it. You end up paying, I mean, I think they tell you if you got a 30-year mortgage, you end up paying for your house three times. Now, mortgage is a different idea. I'm just giving you, um, just giving you an idea of how much interest you pay. So please, hear me. Ask the Holy Spirit to lead you and guide you. And then lastly, for this group, oh no, we spoke about do you have consumer? Okay. Um, and then the next things to recognize that I'd, I'd ask you guys to consider, money is probably an issue in all of our lives, one way or another. We live in America. America is built on the dollar. I love capitalism. I'll just tell you that. I love capitalism. But with it come some pretty significant problems, significant temptations, and you've got to pay attention to that. And so the whole thing is, remember I told you earlier what happened when you got saved, if in fact you're born again, 
You got a new heart, and you got what? Holy Spirit. Your eyes clear. Your eyes good. That lamp is bringing health and goodness and righteousness into you. Allow that to continue. And at this particular point, I'm telling you, ask the Holy Spirit to tell you where you are at with money. I can't tell you that. You could have a nickel to your name, or you could be a billionaire, and in either circumstance, money could be your God. You, we all know that. We've heard that a bunch of times. And I really want to encourage you guys. Like some of the things I'm saying, I want to challenge you. I want to convict you. I want your heart to be rent for one purpose. So that you go to the Holy Spirit and say, Holy Spirit, teach me what Jesus is wanting to teach me. Give me ears. Give me eyes. Let me consume what it is you want me to so I can make good decisions. I'm not trying to tell you don't buy a TV. That's not the point. The point is, who do you look to as your source of everything? And then, man, he really made a good point here. And I don't know why it particularly impacted me. But he said, after you've done this thing with the Holy Spirit, I can promise you, if you seek him, you're going to find him, and he's going to tell you. And at that point, you need to repent. And he made this point, and I really appreciate it. Repentance is not just you saying, Dear Jesus, Heavenly Father, please forgive me for buying the TV. I know I shouldn't have. I know it's going to cost me more money. This guy would say, Go sell the TV. Repent is action. Action is turning away, turning around, walking behind the behavior that the Holy Spirit has convicted you of. If you don't, you did not repent. This is useless to the Father. Words are useless. He's looking for a changed, repentant heart. And until you take action, the repentance is incomplete. (coughs) Excuse me. And the last three things I want to give you guys some encouragement. Um, one is, how, how can you uh, show kind of like repentance and adherence and obedience to the Father? The first thing is tithe. And I'm going to tell you, God doesn't need a dime of your money. He wants your heart. Macab is not begging you for your money. Pastor ain't driving a Cadillac. God is looking for obedience. You need to tithe. Do you guys know what it says in Malachi, the third chapter? If you don't tithe, you're robbing God. You're robbing God. You don't want to rob God. You want to honor God. Tithe. Second thing is, be generous. Above and beyond your tithe, be generous. Now, I would love to tell you, be generous with money. But there are also other things you can be generous with that are offerings to the Father. Betty's brother-in-law has a habit. He gives away something every single day. And it's not a toothpick or whatever. He he purposely, and I'm just going to tell you, there's two things that I do. I've got three different books in my office. I've got about 15 of each. Uh, A.W. Tozer, 
Brother Lawrence and Nate Egger's book. And I give them away to my customers. Obviously for spiritual reasons, but also just to show them, hey, dude, I care about you. Can I give you something? Great reading. Read it. I'd love to hear back from you what your thoughts are. And the other thing I've done is I used to get frustrated when I'd pull up and I'd see a guy asking for money. So what Martha and I did, my daughter, is I've got packages. And in the package is a $10 bill, a Bible track, a cliff bar, hand warmers and gloves, usually for the winter, and I literally hermetically sealed it in a little plastic bag. I, I got a dozen of them in my glove box, pull up, dude stand there, I hand it to him, I got the $10 bill on the outside so they know I'm giving them some money, but I'm also giving them a bite to eat, and I'm also giving them a Bible track. My point is, be prepared, give something away, put a dollar in there, I don't care what you put in there, but think about who you're giving it to. Again, I put gloves in there and hand warmers mainly because of winter. I haven't thought about what to do for the summer, but I'm prepared. Be prepared. Be generous. The last thing is, uh, almost the last thing, um, save. Do you guys know what the word margin is? There's a great book called Margin. And, and the whole principle, and this is across your entire life, build some, um, some uh, what's the word? Build some spare. Build some spare time. So when I walk out here and there's a guy standing there that I know I need to go talk to, I got time to talk to him. I'm not so rushed that I don't have enough time to do anything. I don't have enough money I can't do anything. I don't have enough surplus. Margin is about building a little surplus so that when a need comes, you say, hey, guess what? We got a thousand bucks in the bank. I can give that buddy 50 bucks because they need it to help. And savings also, I told my kids this, the wording might not be good for your guys' ears, but I told them cash is king. If you have cash, you can do whatever you want. If you don't have cash and you've got to borrow it, you are servant to the lender. And then I, I want to give you a personal example, um, and I do so only for one reason. What I've just challenged you to Man, that's a hard place to be. And I know it's difficult. And I know right now, if you haven't tithed, and for me to tell you to start tithing, you're going to say, I got to give away how much money? And that's going to make your knees knock. So I want to give you an example. Two years ago in September, September of 20, I made up my mind that I wanted to lose some weight for two reasons. I've told you guys before, I don't think I'm a glutton, but I'm probably pretty close to a glutton. I, I love food. I wanted to try to destroy that. The other thing is I wanted to lose some weight. But I knew that there was only one way I could do it. I knew, I knew that there was only one way I could do it. But I also knew that I knew I couldn't do it. So for four months, I prayed and I said, Father, I need your help. I, I got to do this but I can't do it. I know I can't do it. I need you to be behind me. And I waited, and I waited, and I waited until January 3rd. I, felt, I told Betty, I'm all, Father said go. So for the first month, I literally ate one meal a week. The other 20 meals were either a protein shake or a fruit and vegetable smoothie for an entire month. Then the next two months, I ate two meals a week. Just two. The other 19 was a protein or a smoothie. And the point that I'm telling you is 
It was hard. I knew I couldn't do it. I am not a disciplined person. I'm incapable of that. So I prayed. I said, Father, please, 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 we answer my prayer. Get behind me. Tell me when I'm ready. Encourage me. Strengthen me. And I'm telling you, okay, I'm ready. And I can promise you, the Bible says, if you seek me with your whole heart, you will find me. Jesus is saying you can't serve two God, two gods. You can't serve two masters. And he says, seek first the kingdom of God and all his righteousness. All these things shall be added unto you. That's a promise from God himself. And I just want to encourage you guys, take the time to listen to the Holy Spirit. Once he does, I assume your knees are going to be knocking because what he's going to ask you to do is going to be scary and difficult. Wait on God, rest in the Holy Spirit, and wait for God's presence to say, okay, dude, we're ready, let's go. And He will empower you, He will strengthen you, He'll give you wisdom, He'll give you discernment, all of those things. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, man, we are a needy people. We needed a heart transplant, and we need continual sanctification by the Holy Spirit. And we need you, and literally, Father, this moment to speak to our hearts. Lord, where is money in an inappropriate balance in our lives? Where is money a God? Where is prestige a God? Where is our reputation a God? Where are we holding on to kingdom treasures that we covet and we hold on to with lock and key? Lord, rattle the congregation, rattle me. that we might listen and hear and obey. Lord, may we turn those nouns into verbs. May we choose wisely as you've asked us to. In Jesus' name, amen.